from the Sports and Recreation Center on the campus of the College of Staten Island. It's time for the Dolphin Pod, the official College of Staten Island Athletics podcast. With your hosts, David Pizzuto. Smith with a wide open Palinkovic to her left. Palinkovic one-on-one against Mike Camp and it's in. Versada Palinkovic from Narmina Brachic all sprung off the little tap in the backfield by Laval. A great one, two, three punch for the Dolphins, and they're up one nothing. And Joseph Foreman. And the 2-2 is hit out to left center. And if that one gets to the wall, this game could be over. Cutting it off is Windsor. It gets away from him. Here comes Miola. The relay throw to the plate. Not in time. And the Dolphins win it in the bottom half of the ninth inning. A walk-off RBI double off the bat of John Pomerico. And the Dolphins win it 2-1. to one. In-depth stories, reviews, and previews, interviews, and so much more. It's all right here. And now, for the Dolphin Pod, here are your hosts, Dave and Joe. And welcome to the Dolphin Pod, right here on CSIDolphins.com. This is episode four. We are broadcasting live on Friday, November 22nd, 2019. No matter when you're listening or when you're tuning in, that is our date of broadcast. And we've got a great show for you today as we sit down a little bit later on in the show and talk to Deidre McCafferty of the CSI swimming and diving team. Uh, they've been very active over the month of November. And as we close the month, obviously we'll talk to Deidre a lot about the season she's having. Joe, uh, pretty active week for CSI athletics and uh, we're happy to sit down with Deidre today. We definitely are. It was a very exciting meet last Friday night against Baruch. I'm sure we'll talk to Deidre a little bit about that. It was a very entertaining one to watch. Both meets coming down to the final relay on both the men's and women's side. It was very exciting and Fun to watch, as I mentioned, but a lot more exciting CSI Dolphins action to watch this week. There was some men's and women's basketball along the way, and we'll talk a bit more about that in the Week in Review. All right, so let's learn a little bit more about the week that was here at CSI. It's time now to look at the Weekly Rewind. It's now time to rewind the week. Your look back into the week that was at CSI. With the Weekly Rewind, here is Joe Foreman. Schedule for the week got started on Friday night, as I just mentioned, when Baruch College paid a visit to the tank for a meet with the Dolphins on both the men's and women's side. In a meet that was decided in the final event for both the men and women, it was Baruch College coming away with the victories 119-108 over the CSI men and 111-101 over the women. For men's and women's basketball, the two teams traveled to southern New Hampshire on Sunday as both sides faced the Penman on Sunday. The women dropped the opener of that doubleheader by a final score of 91-50, to while the men suffered an 84-54 defeat to send both teams to 0-3 to open their seasons. This week's slate did wrap up on Wednesday night with men's basketball hosting their home opener as fellow ECC conference member New York Tech visited the College of Staten Island in what was a career night for Adiola Latunji, who scored a career-high 33 points and reached the 1,000-career point mark just four games into his third season as a Dolphin. CSI's red-hot shooting helped them earn their first win of the season in front of their home fans, 82-63 to over the Bears. And lastly, the College of Staten Island announced another new hire this week as Fabian Moore joins the coaching staff for cross-country track and field just ahead of the start of the indoor season on December 6th. All right, Joe, you mentioned the uh, CSI men's and women's swim meet against uh, Baruch College late last week. Um, you know, a couple tough losses for the uh, for both teams. Obviously, we'll talk a little bit more with Deidre about that. But, um, you know, 
it seemed like the sheer volume of swimmers that that Baruch had really uh, did the trick for them in their victories over the Dolphins. Well, Baruch certainly had an extensive roster. As you mentioned, a lot of swimmers did not have any divers competing, so the Dolphins did have that advantage on the diving board. We were able to pick up some points in that event and really even things up. I believe it was on the women's side where diving really leveled the score and set the stage for a second portion of that meet where the two teams battled back and forth. The men found themselves down a considerable amount of points later in that meet, but were able to battle back with back-to-back top finishes in the later events, and that set up a relay at the end. I believe it was the 200-yard freestyle relay at the very end of the meet, which decided it on both the men's and women's side. Unfortunately for the Dolphins, they came up short on both sides in that relay and fell in the meet, as I mentioned before. The men by 11 and the women by 10, but that doesn't take away to the start of this season for the College of Staten Island Swimming and Diving Program. We've seen some very exciting meets to this point, and I'm sure that will continue, though the teams will not be back here at the tank until January. Yeah, that's right. They'll go on the road. We'll talk to Deidre a little bit more about that in the month of December uh, as well. And Joe, we, we kind of finalized the week with a great uh, home opener for the CSI men's basketball team, winning their first game of the season against an NC. A, a Division II opponent to boot a, a future member of the ECC uh, alongside the Dolphins, who the Dolphins will play twice every year. Uh, the nice win over New York Tech, a great night for Adiola Latunji. And, um, you know, that was a pretty convincing win at, at the tank on Wednesday night. And uh, it's a good sign of things to come for the Dolphins. It certainly should be. And what really stood out to me in that game, aside, of course, from the performance of Adiola Latunji, was the shooting of the College of Staten Island in that game. Undoubtedly their best performance shooting the basketball so far this season, 48% from the field and over 52% from beyond the arc. Also 90% from the free throw line in that game. So the Dolphins got it done at the offensive end just about every aspect of the game. The ball movement was also there as well. And the defensive intensity and effort certainly was there for both halves in that game. The Dolphins really stifled New York Tech down the stretch of that one. The two teams battled back and forth through the early minutes. Dolphins took a 14-point lead into the halftime locker room. The Bears would get as close as eight, but that is as close as they would get in the second half as the Dolphins ran away with the 19-point victory. Right, so uh, a great uh, start for the home uh, part of the season for the CSI basketball team. And of course, we'll see, we'll be seeing a lot more of them in the future weeks and months uh, coming up. And I'm sure we'll have some more guests to talk specifically about men's basketball and women's basketball. Speaking of basketball, they're the only sports on the docket next week, the week upcoming. So let's take a step aside now and take a look at the weekly preview. The Dolphin Pod now brings you what's on tap at CSI with the weekly preview. Get in the game. Here's what's happening. Okay, well, as mentioned, it's only basketball for the week ahead and only a trio of games. The Dolphins will be at home, both the men and the women, this Saturday. That's tomorrow, the 23rd of November. It'll be a doubleheader. The women will tip off first against NCAA Division II post-university. That'll be the first meeting in program history between those two teams. And then following that approximate 3 p.m. tip-off, it'll be the CSI men tipping off against Johnson and Wales University. That should be another good one here. Once again, a doubleheader right here at the tank on Staten Island. After that, the last game of the week will take place on Tuesday, the 26th of November, and that will feature the women's team. They will travel to face New York Tech, same team that the Dolphins faced this past week. That is a 5 p.m. start at NYIT. So uh, basketball in full swing, Joe, that's what's really going to take a majority of our focus 
over the next month or so as, as swimming remains uh, rather idle, especially um, especially at home. So basketball will pretty much be the focus for us. Certainly will be. And a matchup from this upcoming week that interests me a great deal. You mentioned it, the women's basketball game against New York Tech. We saw the men pick up a big victory here at home over the Bears. And of course, that makes the women's matchup a bit more interesting. But the big reason I'm looking forward to seeing that one is because we'll be seeing more of the Bears in the future. A fellow ECC conference member, the Dolphins, taking them on on both the men's and women's side this year. But moving forward, that's a team that we will see twice a year, whether it be here at home or on the road. So it should be interesting to see how the women fare against the Bears after the men picked up the victory on Wednesday. Yeah, and certainly something to keep our eyes on is, of course, the injury factor. The Dolphin women in their last game were without their top rebounder, Diana Tadaro. She uh, she was out for Sunday's game against Southern New Hampshire. We'll see what her status is through this weekend and, of course, into next week and past the holiday. So uh, that's it for the uh, weekly preview upcoming. Uh, what Joe and I will do is step aside, take a break. We'll welcome Deidre McCafferty into our studio here, and we'll talk a little bit more intricately about women's and men's swimming and diving and Deidre's experiences as a freshman on the team. So stay with us. You are listening to The Dolphin Pod, episode four of the 2019-20 season right here on CSIDolphins.com. You're listening to The Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. Champions know how to seize opportunities. When they see moments of greatness unfold right before their eyes, they push as hard as they possibly can. And then they push harder. Because the heart of a champion never settles, never quits, and never stops giving its all. We are champions. We are Division II. We go big, we give it everything we've got, and we win on the field, on our campuses, in our communities, for our causes, in our careers. We rise to become champions in everything we do. We are Division Two, and there are no limits here. We make our time count. We set our own path. We become champions on our terms. It's time to up your game, because we're here to play and learn. But most importantly, we're here to discover ourselves our vision, our heart, our drive to achieve every goal we aim for because we want to be champions at the highest level, life. At Division Two, the opportunities are here. Are you ready? Welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. And welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. This is episode four here in the year 2019-20. No matter what day uh, of the week you're listening to us, no matter what time of day, we are broadcasting on Friday, November 22nd. And it's time now for our uh, featured moment in the podcast where we sit down with a special guest. And Joe and I are being joined by Deidre McCafferty of the CSI Women's Swimming and Diving Team, a freshman on this year's team. Uh, Deidre, welcome to the show. Thank you. Excellent. So, uh, Deidre, I guess we'll start. You know, this is obviously your your first year with the team, so uh, we're just getting to know you and and other members of the team. Tell us a little bit about um, how you first got into swimming. Uh, at what point in your life did you really start to pick it up, and uh, did it become a serious sport for you? Well, when my dad was young, he was a swimmer as well, and he swam in college, so he kind of pushed me towards that path. I didn't really start competitively swimming until like 
I don't know, when I was six, like I do summer league, but I joined a club team when I was in the fifth grade. And from there on, like the coaches really started to notice, like I actually have like a really good talent for swimming, especially distance swimming. Mm. And then they just started pushing me to the right path. Yeah. And, you know, at what point, um, you know, I know you mentioned that, you know, uh, competitively, you know, fifth grade, sixth grade, that uh, six years old, and then, you know, moving on to doing it more competitively. Uh, at what point in your life did you really feel like this is kind of going to take over a lot of your time? So in other words, you know, a lot of a lot of kids like to put themselves in different sports, do different things. At what point did swimming become the thing for you? Uh, when I first joined it, like competitively, <laughs> like I had to quit everything to join swimming. Mm. So I just realized how special it was. Great. We often talk about the balance between academics and athletics. How difficult is it for you or perhaps how easy is it for you to balance all the time and effort that goes into preparing for a swim meet with all the effort and time you have to put into your classes? It's a little difficult, especially in my household. I have a lot of siblings and there's always noise. There's no quiet. So I find it a little hard to study, but I really focus on time managing and getting stuff done in the moment. And that's how I work. Yeah. So Dave mentioned before, what we were talking about earlier about how you came to choose the College of Staten Island. How exactly did that process go? And were you aware of some of the changes going on around here when you agreed to join our swimming and diving program? Well, at my old club, Mike Ecolitis was a coach for one of those years. And then he kind of contacted me in my junior, senior year. And he kind of just guided me through the process. And I knew that division, we were going to division two. Like I heard news about it for a few years. So when I finally found out I was very excited about it. Great. And you had mentioned coming from a big family. How many siblings do you have? I have five siblings. Wow. I, I, and, and where do you fit in in the, in the age category? Uh, I'm the oldest, but okay. I have a twin brother, triplet sisters, and then wow. I have another sister. Wow. That's, uh, and, and how old are the triplets and your youngest sister? Uh, the triplets are going to be turning 16 in December, and wow. my other sister is 14. Great. So is, is everybody... You know, because because I know you mentioned your dad was also a swimmer. Is everybody in your household yep, kind of we're all uh, swimmers? All swimmers. Okay, so maybe there'll be more. Uh, there'll be know, more, more coming from, here, from your family coming. That's great. That's great. We got a pipeline. Uh, so you know, what's it like as far as um, as far as competitively in your family? Do you find that that you and your siblings are are very competitive, whether it comes to swimming or other sports, or even you know in the classroom? Do you have that kind of sibling rivalry going with some of your siblings? Always, there's always a competition between us. Yeah, especially me and my brother John. We're always like, who's better at this? Who's better at that? Mm-hmm. And uh, and as far as in the pool, is it? Do you try to master different strokes, or are you all kind of distant swimmers? Do you all kind of? Well, when you are a distant swimmer, I think that opens up to all the strokes because you have the endurance to do everything. So like I, I'm mostly freestyle, but I can do butterfly or I can do IM or backstroke. Right. When you have so many different swimmers in one family, how different are you from one another when it comes to your specialties in the pool? You just mentioned some of your own proficiencies in swimming and we've seen them on display in the pool. Does that differ greatly from some of your other siblings? A little bit. Like some of my sisters are better at a certain stroke than freestyle. So it just depends on what they're good at and how they swim. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And with you all being swimmers, of course, and siblings on top of it, I'm sure some of you are heavily critical of one another. I'm often my biggest critic. I don't have many other siblings, only a sister to criticize me when I'm performing athletically in the classroom or wherever it may be. But do you get some valuable criticism and insight from some of your brothers and sisters? I do. And also my dad, they really try to help me focus on my stroke and try to work on what to do better next time, whether it's like a start or a turn. Or just like a certain like how I move my arms in the water. So it's good to have critics. 
And as far as, you know, swimming uh, in high school and then in club, where do you find that you get pushed more? Is it at the club level where you're really, where you're really, you know, truly perfecting the craft? Yes. At club level, I had to swim eight times a week, two morning practices and then six regular practices. And it really focuses on stroke proficiency and just really teaches you like how to do time management with everything else. And did some of the club activities take place here at the College of Staten Island? Did you have familiarity with our pool before? Yes. Well, it was more high school swimming. I swam Mm -hmm. here and my elementary school team swam here, but we would come here once in a while. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine, you know, I, you know, I guess this is true for a lot of sports, but I would imagine for swimming predominantly that it, it's kind of like a pretty tight community because there's obviously only a certain amount of places to swim and, and you end up seeing the same faces, the same opponents, the same age group, you know, um, you know, same swimmers in the pool, whether you're going up against them or, or teammates at the club and high school level. Uh, do you feel that way about the swimming community that it's it, that it's pretty tight and and it's almost like a family environment? Yep, it is very tight. Like for my club team, I would go to certain meets and I would just recognize the people and you know their times, you know what they're good at, you know what they're bad at. So it it is a small community and I really like that. You know, I've always found swimming kind of fascinating because while it's a, while it's a team sport and there's obviously relay relay events that that incorporate the team concept it's a very individual sport in nature and a lot of times you're kind of clocking against yourself than you are the person next to you what's your mentality when you get into the pool is it is it more is it more you're competing against yourself is it more that you know what your competitors can swim and you're trying to reach that goal you know how do you plan how do you plan that aspect of your races it's pretty much like versing myself and versing the clock like I try to challenge myself always, and I always want to do the best time I could possibly do. Well, I've seen the coaches very often like to enter their meets very late at the table. So I know they're looking at who one another are putting in each of the events. Is that something that you're focused on at all, or is that something that strictly remains in the heads of the coaches? Uh, that can The coaches can do that. I'll do whatever they tell me to do. I like swimming, so. <laughs> <laughs> so you've had a very strong start to your season, and that's resulted in a couple of individual awards, CUNYAC Rookie of the Week twice. Is that something that's on your radar or is that something that is nice, but it's in the very back of your mind? No, it's on my radar. I like being the best I could be. So it's fun. I like getting awards. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's, that's certainly, uh, you know, that's, that's certainly great. Um, as far as what your expectations were coming here. So, you know, obviously our, our women's program has had, you know, some success in the past, but for the most part, we've always been kind of a middle of the pack team within the CUNY and, and the attention and the focus for our coaches is obviously to recruit the very best swimmers so that we can reach a really high level. And that when we do start to compete in the metropolitan conference and at Metro championships, we can really start to make a dent, um, you know, in the, in the leaderboards and in the scoring. So, you know, as far as, um, you know, as far as your competitive level, you know, that mentality, did you know coming in that you'd be a very strong swimmer for this program? Yes, I did now. Good. So um, as far as your expectations coming into year number one, because obviously, you know, an athlete's career is is a four year career. It's all about, you know, getting better and getting stronger. As far as expectation levels for year one, what was kind of on your to do list as far as what you wanted to accomplish this first year? Well, I definitely want to try to get top three in the Metropolitan Championship in all my events that I swim. Mm -hmm. So if I could do that, that's my big goal for this year. Is there a particular stroke that you that you're looking to to land in? Just freestyle, so freestyle. the five hundred thousand and mm-hmm. probably the mile. Yeah, and that was obviously one of the highlights to this 
early part of the season is breaking the school record and the pool record uh, for the 1000 free. And, you know, obviously that that's got to be a thrill for you. And especially when you know that you're only going to get better and stronger, knowing that now your record is the one to beat. So, you know, how did it make you feel to kind of step into the pool? I think it was just your second meet, if I'm not mistaken, and, and breaking that record. Well, my coaches kept telling me like, oh, this is the record. You could do it. You could do it. And I just kind of swam through it. And I, when I got the record, I was just so excited. And when you when you're on the block and you're ready to go for that race, is that the goal? Like, do you know in your head uh, that 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 there's a record up there that needs to be broken? It's kind of in the back of my head. I just want to have a good race. That's my main goal. But I really wanted the record. Great. And how quickly does your mindset uh, mindset shift after breaking that record to okay? Now I need to top that time and set another new record of my own. Quickly, very quickly. And the most recent meet was against Baruch College, the meet before that against Hunter College. And you weren't on the team last year when they were competing in the CUNYAC Conference, now moving forward into the East Coast Conference. Did you feel a little bit of extra juice, though, behind those matchups with the Hawks and the Bearcats as they are former CUNYAC rivals, teams that I'm sure wanted to come in here and beat us at the tank and teams that I know Coach Mike wanted to beat as well? Yeah, when they, I love having close meets. It really pushes the whole entire team to do the best they could do. So... And part of swimming that maybe not a lot of people necessarily familiar with, if they're not familiar with the sport, is that often you're on the sidelines watching as your teammates are competing in critical events. And in that last meet against Baruch, it came down to the very final event. For someone perhaps who was on the sideline or in situations where you're on the sideline in a decisive relay like that, how difficult is it for you at times to have to watch? Well, it's very difficult. Like We always want to win. So sometimes when we don't win, it's just you just know you did the best you possibly could do. And one of the things, Deirdre, that I kind of struggle with as an observer of swimming is is all of the calling and the whistling that goes on on the deck. And I know there's got to be some kind of method to the madness there, but I've never been able to figure it out. So when Mike is whistling and, you know, especially in a distance event like like the 1000, do you have kind of like an internal clock in your head? Like, do you know what you're swimming? Do you ever look up at the board? How does that work? And inside your head well you can't really see the board but when you hear the whistle you know you're supposed to be going a little bit faster okay and when distance events you have the counter Mm -hmm. so there's certain methods like if you move it to the side that means you keep that pace if Mm -hmm. you go up and down it means go faster i see yeah see that's something that i never knew (laughs) and now you're you're certainly educating me on on uh you know some of the nuances and what what happens there um now as far as what goes on you know internally i think when you're when you're racing a 50 or a hundred, it's very easy to see the person next to you and, and figure out if you need to kind of pick things up or if you got a comfortable advantage when you're doing a distance event, obviously your coaches are, are letting you know that you should be picking it up. But is there something inside you that tells you, okay, I'm, I'm off my pace or I'm really on my pace or I'm feeling really good, or maybe I'm, I'm overexerting myself in the middle, like, especially for a 10, 11 minute, you know, thousand free. How do you kind of pace yourself? Well, in practice, we learn how to do pace. So during the race, I can tell if I'm hitting the pace or I'm a little bit off or I'm going, I'm not really feeling right. So it just depends like how, what I do in practice really focuses on what I do in the meet. And I would imagine that your, that your race game plan, you know, if you know what strokes you're going to be doing before the race, which, which I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, you know, whether it's minutes or hours leading up to the race, you know, how does, how does the mentality different if you're doing a distance event versus a, versus a sprint? Well, with distance, it's pretty much all mental. If you're not in a good mental state, you're not going to do well that day. Sprinting, you just kind of have to go out and do it. Very different mindset. (laughs) 
you'll participate in big long distance events, as Dave mentioned, as we mentioned before. You have three weeks off between the meet against Baruch last week and your next meet against Lehman College. How valuable is that extra time off to you in terms of recovery when you have to swim those long distances? It's very nice to have a nice little break in the season. And it just helps me recover and ca- also catch up on schoolwork that I could do now. So well, It's three weeks between your previous meet and your next meet, but even longer between your last meet against Baruch and your next meet here at the tank. Is your family often up in the stands here? Or are they watching online? And is the support here at home an extra bit of a motivator for you in the pool? Yeah, it's definitely a little bit more motivation. My parents try to come to the meet as often as they could. Yeah. And uh, and Joe mentioned a good point about this break that you have, um, you know, between now and when you face Lehman on the road. But in the month of November, you guys were going pretty fast and furious, you know, five meets in a span of three weeks. You know, that's that's a lot of swimming. You know, that's a lot of, you know, when you mix in what you what you guys are doing every day in the morning and practicing, you know, how do you kind of make sure that your body is always in the right shape for a meet or, you know, constant practice and and the rigors of swim, because, you know, as most people already know, swimming is, you know, one of the, you know, healthiest cardiovascular things you can do with your body. It's also one of the most taxing that you could put your body through. So tell me a little bit about how you kind of make sure that you're always in in prime condition. I always have to get sleep like eight hours Mm -hmm. plus a night. Like if I don't have enough sleep, I'm not going to be able to make it through the day. And I also try to eat the best I could. And I just try to focus on stretching and making sure like if my body feels tired, maybe I won't go as hard in practice. Like maybe I'll try to do a little bit more recovery. Mm. Yeah. And I think um, something else that varies from sport to sport, I, I, I know for the most part, a lot of swimmers really like to get their swimming in early, you know, maybe as soon as they wake up or, you know, you know, approximately half hour to an hour after they wake up. Is that, is that something in, in inherent in swimming? Do you find that to be do you find that to be the case that you'd rather swim earlier in the day? Yep. Yeah. I'd rather swim earlier just to get it over with right. and have the rest of the day open. Yeah. And that was going to be my next question was, you know, for the most part, you guys are always practicing first thing in the morning, usually 8 a.m., you know, sometimes even earlier. Um, you know, I know that when I get a workout in in the morning, usually the rest of my day, I'm feeling refreshed. But then there's a moment where I'm like, man, I'm just tired, you know. So you know, how do you use those, those practices? Do you, do you feel it invigorates you for what's ahead, like school and, and schoolwork and coming back home and doing homework? Yep. If I have a practice in the morning after it, I feel much better. I feel happy. I feel refreshed. Mm-hmm. So that keeps me going throughout the day. Great. And as for the preparation that goes into getting ready for a meet, I often see the team down in the tank in the weight room, but there's also a lot of work that goes in in the pool. How do you find a balance between the work you would put in maybe with Gavin in the tank versus what you put in in the pool? Because I know if I'm down there working out, a lot of the time it builds a great deal of soreness, which I think could negatively impact you in the pool. So how do you find that balance between strength training and endurance training in the pool? Well, I need to do a little bit more strength training. I haven't really been focusing on it. I do a lot more pool time right now. So maybe that's going to help me because I haven't been really sore from working out. So, And again, you participate in a lot of long distance events, setting records and earning rewards, but you also have 11 first place finishes and one second place finish. And I know mentally, I, I can already see the smile on your face. Does that one second place finish stick out to you and bother you a little yeah, bit? Yeah, it does bother me a little. Yeah, I had I had to ask that because I could <laughs> tell by your mentality and approach to swimming that I had to need it was a need to ask that question. But again, a tremendous start to the season, and I'm sure there'll be many more first place finishes to come. Yeah, and that was the uh, that was the 50 free, was it against yep. Baruch? So, yeah, so you know, obviously that's you know does does that become like the next mark? So knowing that you were off, I think maybe it was like half a second, 23, and changed to 22.7 or something like that. 
does that become what's now circled in your mind as I got to get to that time? Yeah. <laughs> like, I know I could do that time. It's sure. Just, in sure. the moment, I just couldn't. Well, I know one of the things that's, that's um, you know, that is very visible with, with swimming too, is that, you know, obviously you're swimming side by side with side by side with the men's team, you're practicing with the men's team. Uh, you know, the, all the competitions involve, you know, the, the men with the exception of teams like Hunter and John Jay that don't have a men's team. So, you know, what's it like, you know, training alongside, uh, the men's team, having another team there cheering you on, uh, you know, at events, kind of like a built-in support network, uh, you know, what's that, What's that kind of like for you guys? I think it's great because it offers me a challenge. Like, oh, I need to try to keep up with the boys and the, or the boys need to try to keep up with me. Right. <laughs> so I like that extra challenge. Sure. And, you know, it just seems to me just the way, you know, just watching you guys, you know, on the deck and watching how you interact with each other, that the team, you know, really does like each other, that there's a lot of camaraderie within the team that, uh, you know, there's, there's always jokes that are happening. There's always smiles and laughter, you know, and it's a, it's a big unit, you know, when you, when you bring in the men and the women together, you know, that's a, that's a pretty sizable, um, that's a pretty sizable group. So what's it like being a part of this really giant family uh, of, of teammates? I think it's great. I love being with my team. They're just, everyone's so nice and supportive. And I think that's also what helps with the team. Like we do so much better when we have a supportive team. So as far as, um, you know, one of the things that's very different about division two than where we were in division three, and obviously you don't know, um, you know, what, what happened in the past, but, you know, is at the division two level, you're allowed so much more time as a team to train, whether as Joe said, it be in the strength and conditioning rooms or in the pool itself with your coaches. And, you know, that could be very taxing for, for, for an athlete, but it can also be a very welcome thing for an athlete, you know, that much work put into swimming, you know, pretty much every day, uh, you know, six days a week, is that a, a, a benefit? And is that something that's very different from, from high school swimming? Uh, I think it's a benefit. It's different from high school swimming, but I wouldn't say it's really much different from my club team because my club team, we had so many hours in the pool and working mm -hmm. out together. So I, I think it's just benefit overall. Great. Well, speaking of taxing through the course of a meet, of course, you participate in multiple events. Sometimes those events are very close to one another. And I know there's a lot of strategy that the coaches implement to put swimmers in different relays and different events to try and spare them and keep them fresh throughout the course of a meet. Do you get any input on when it is you will be swimming at all? Or do you have a preference as to what events you compete in? I know primarily you compete in a lot of the distance events, but in other cases, sometimes they'll use you in one of the shorter events. Do you have any input into that or a preference? Um, I like doing distance, but if the coaches need me to do a shorter event, I'll do it. And if that means swimming back to back, like I did in the Hunter meet, I'll do it. It's a little hard, but I just know I can do those events and I can do it so I could help win. You mentioned in that one meet with Baruch, there was just that point where you just felt like in that moment, you couldn't do that time. Is there an event that stands out where you were able to push through that barrier where you achieved something that maybe you thought you couldn't? Well, I think with the thousand and the record in the second meet, like, I didn't know if I could do the record and I did. So that moment really stands out to me. And what exactly would you say if you could pinpoint it? I know it's a bit of a general question, but where do you have your sights set next, whether it be in terms of a team performance in a meet or an individual performance? Uh, for an individual performance, I want to try to make the ECAC mm -hmm. meet. I, I don't know if that's correct. Yep. I would like to qualify for one of those eight times. So most likely in a thousand, which I'm going to have to drop a little bit of time, but I think I could do it. Yeah. And, uh, the first meet of the season, uh, you actually swam 
uh, a time trial, I believe it was the 200 fly, right? Yep. And you broke the record there as well. So, you know, uh, and it was, it was your own race. So you were the only one in the pool, uh, racing. So was again, that when you lined up to, to break that record, was that the intention? Just let's just break that record here while we have, yeah, a, was... while we have the chance. Good. Are there any swimmers, you know, that you have your eye on that you want to be able to beat, um, or any kind of times that you know you need to get to in order to win an ECAC event or a Metro event? Well, the ECAC meet, I don't know if I could win that. That's very, it's a lot of challenging swimmers. But with Metros, I don't know the swimmers, but I would want to win. So I think I'm going to have to break five minutes in the 500 mm. and probably go under like a 1030 in the 1000, which I think I could do. So, so you know, when you when you have a mark like that, you know, like a 1030, that's, that's kind of shaving off almost half a minute, I guess. How do you kind of game plan making up that time? So is it like a year to year thing? Is it like, by the time I'm a senior, I want to do that? Like, how do you kind of attack that strategy? Uh, well, I know I did it in the past, so mm -hmm. I know I could do it. So in practice, I'm going to try to hit lower times when I do pace sets. Mm -hmm. And I think I could try to do it this year. Cool. And I know, you know, with, with coach Acolytus is he likes to, make sure that his swimmers are swimming at their peak condition and are really performing at their best towards that second week in February when all the championships are. Um, is that the mindset that you guys take as swimmers as well? Like, hey, I can meet this mark, but I got to take it really slow and kind of get to that point in the future? Or as a swimmer, is it in your inherent nature to say, go, 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 and I need to do this? I try to do it in the moment. I always yeah. know what my goals are and I try to work on them every day. Great. So, you know, you're a student athlete, uh, which means that you are a student first. So, you know, I know you don't have an intended major yet, but what are some of the, uh, you know, what are some of the subjects that you really take an interest to? What are some of the things, you know, maybe at the high school level that you were really into that, you know, you're hoping that you get out of the classroom here at CSI? In high school, one of my favorite subjects was history, but I'm not taking that right now. Mm. But this semester, I really like biology lab and psychology. I find them very interesting subjects. Great. And obviously with the big, um, you know, with the with the responsibilities that you have, obviously, you know, swimming just about every morning and obviously the meets and, and you know, hitting on some times. How do you kind of manage your day to day? I mean, obviously, you're taking classes during the day. You need to earmark time for homework. You always said that you want a, uh, you know, a good night's sleep every every day. So, you know, do you kind of wake up every morning and know exactly where you're going to be at what times and and strategizing that way? Yep. I try to plan the night before what I have to do, what times I have classes, what times I have to hit the library, what times I have to do other stuff. So I plan everything out the night before. Great. And we've mentioned several of the difficult aspects of being a swimmer, but what has stood out to you perhaps as the most challenging aspect of being a student or has it come fairly easily so far? I know the balance of time management could be difficult, but have you found the academic aspect of being a student athlete challenging? Yes. Uh, Certain classes, especially with math, where it requires a lot more work into the subject, I find it sometimes a little challenging to set the extra time to do that work. And you mentioned how in the pool, when it comes to breaking another record, you're very focused on once you set a record, you're ready to break that record. Are you the same way when it comes to your studies where if you do particularly well in a class, you want to do even better? Yep. And the difference between a time trial and a competitive event, Dave referenced it before that you competed in a time trial. You're the only one in the pool. Does that make it a bit easier to perhaps eclipse a time that you're looking to surpass or break a record? Is it easier for you when you know that you're the only one there and you have the entire pool to yourself? 
uh, I find it a little bit more challenging when you swimming against someone else. It makes you like go faster because you want to beat them. But with that time trial, I just knew I could do the record, and I just had to focus and get through the event. And you mentioned some of the upcoming meets that you're looking forward to being championship meets. Is there any meet on the schedule against another school? I actually have the schedule right here if you need a look. But is there any meet on the schedule that perhaps you have circled as one that you're particularly looking forward to? Or is it just those championship meets you have your sights uh, set on? The Mount Clare State, uh, they have a girl that's pretty good at distance. So I'm looking forward for that. So you're certainly familiar with the competition as you immediately your finger went right down mm-hmm. to the Montclair State meet so that's interesting and one last question for me here how quickly have you seen improvement since coming to the College of Staten Island with your performance as a swimmer Dave mentioned some of the extra practice allowance time that you have in division two has that resulted in any vast improvement for you in a short amount of time or is that something you can see developing uh, I think I see it developing a little bit over time and uh, and Deirdre, you know my my uh, my daughter swim. What what would advice would you give to a youngster who's starting to swim, who maybe um, you know doesn't have that competitive edge, I guess, but um, is really good at what they do? How do you get them to kind of think about swimming as more of a competitive sport as opposed to just a recreational sport? Well, the first thing I would try to recommend is try to join a club team. Hmm. And when you're on the lower levels. I think they really foster like a relationship between a love for swimming. So it's not more of a competitive, like you learn just to love swimming mm-hmm. first. And I think that's very important with, with a lot of younger swimmers. A lot of them will just, their parents are forcing them to swim. I think you have to love the sport to do better in a competitive environment. And how often do you recommend, you know, um, swimming? Like how, you know, obviously you, you love the sport, you use it, um, you know, competitively and I'm sure you'd be in the pool regardless, but you know, how how much swimming is enough swimming for for a youngster? Even you growing up, were you were you excited about eight days of uh, of swimming? Or I, I shouldn't say eight days because there, there's no such thing. But you excited about that much swimming, or was it tedious sometimes? It was a little tedious at times, especially when you had a challenge with the schoolwork and outside mm-hmm. events. But if you really love the sport, you'll love practice. Yeah, and um, you know, obviously, your career is very much still you know uh, ahead of you, but. For other, um, you know, young women who are thinking about entering our program, um, you know, obviously with the with the incoming of Division Two, we we plan on carrying more members on the team and and you know, obviously raising our competitive level. You know, what are some some tips or you know, what are some things that you would tell, uh, you know, a potential student athlete at the high school level, the club level, about the advantages that CSI offers and and why this would be a good landing spot for them? Well, I think one of the most important advantages I have here was that I'm close to family. And this team's almost a family to me. So now I have two families, and I really like that. I think it's a great environment for um, student, um, classroom. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love the teachers here. Everyone's so supportive. And I think just this pool is a great pool, and this environment is just great. Great. Well, I think you just answered my question. I was going <laughs> to ask you, part of moving to Division Two is the recruiting process. And I was going to ask you, what is your message to incoming recruits, but you just touched on a lot of the positives surrounding your experience here. Is there anything else that maybe you could add to that, perhaps more about the team? Um, well, one thing, you have to really be good at time managing. And I think in high school, you touch a bit a bit on it, but in college, you really have to focus on that. I know our administrators will be happy to hear you say that. <laughs> We've hung up some posters recently in the Academic Success Center dealing with time management. And something else you touched on is your relationship with your teammates as well. And 
What would you, if you had to tell an incoming recruit about that relationship with your teammates, or perhaps something that may surprise them on top of the family atmosphere, which is something that you've spoken about and something we've heard about. Is there anything more that you'd have to say about that? Or is that just about sum it up? That pretty much sums it up. I think because we're a smaller, tight-knit group that we're more like a family. And I, I don't know if I was really expecting that when I came here. Hmm. I was, I'm not a very talkative person. So when I first came here, I didn't really talk to anyone. But they came out and reached out to me. And I really like that about them. They're very open. And I know it's hard to narrow it down to one. But if you had to choose one, what would be the best aspect of your experience as a student athlete here thus far? If, maybe if you have several that you'd like to note. But if there is one that stands out to you, by all means, I share. think the team and breaking records. <laughs> Great. Well, we've certainly enjoyed watching you perform so far, Deirdre. We're coming towards the end of our of our time with you. You know, for those people, obviously, who don't know a lot about swimming, who don't know a lot about, you know, what it takes to be a successful swimmer and who are maybe just getting to know our program because we've reached this higher level of NCAA Division II. What does being a swimming student athlete mean to you? What is you know, what's kind of the day to day like? Uh, wh- how can you explain what it's like for somebody who really doesn't know what it's like to be a part of a, of a swim program. I think it's very challenging and people will find that shocking. Like they think swimming is just a, such like a layback sport, mm-hmm. but it's really time committing and you have to be focused. So you have to swim in the morning, then you go to school and then you might swim another time of the day and then you go back to class and then you're in the library studying and then you have to go home and do more homework. Mm-hmm. So very challenging. Sure. And, you know, as far as the rest of the season, you know, you guys are three and two. You started out, you know, really strong. And even in the even in the meets that you guys have dropped, you've looked you've looked strong. Times have improved throughout. So now that we're looking at the the second half of the season, a little bit more than half uh, the season to go. You know, what are some of your personal goals? What are some of your team goals? What should we be looking out for as observers to make sure that, you know, you guys are hitting the marks that you guys are looking to hit? Well, I like to try to break more records or just to do better times. And I think as a team, I think we should all try to win. So you mentioned how crowded your day is. Is there anything particular that you like to do to spend some of that free time, or is there none to be spent? Well, all the free time I have, I like. I'll, well, I like to spend it with my family, and I'll. I like my dogs, so I'll hang out with my dogs or walk them if I have free time. <laughs> One last question for me: Is there a single bold declaration, perhaps for you, a time that you'd like to hit the rest of the way? Is there one particular statement you'd like to make to close things out here in today's interview? Uh, I'd like to try to break five minutes by the end of the season. That's like my ultimate goal. Happy to hear it. It's all yeah. for me. Yeah. And, you know, we'll be we'll be looking for that as well. Obviously, we have a few more home meets to go and we'll be uh, following you, you know, pretty intently when you guys go on the road as well. But uh, this has been a real pleasure, Jidra, to learn a little bit more about you. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can uh, we can chat again on the podcast at some point uh, in the future. We'll see, uh, you know, how your how your progress is is coming along in the pool, along with that of your teammates. But we want to thank you again for joining us today. Thank you. All right. Excellent. So that's Deidre McCafferty of the CSI women's uh, swimming and diving team. They're off to a three and two start a little bit idle now for the next couple of weeks. But then they uh, pick up uh, pick up again in December. And of course, this will all lead to championships in February. We'll be keeping our eye on Deidre and the rest of her teammates. So uh, what we will do is we will step aside, take a short break. And when we come back, Joe and I will finish up this edition of the podcast. So uh, join us right after this. You're listening to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. 
In NCAA Division II, student-athletes leave a lasting impression on their communities. That's because Division II student-athletes want to make a difference and truly be part of their surrounding communities. Through community engagement, thousands of student-athletes from various backgrounds interact with community members who view them as role models. This interaction leaves a positive and perhaps even life-changing impression on all those involved. In Division II, we rise to the opportunity and make community engagement ours. Welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. That was our sit-down with Deirdre McCafferty of CSI Women's Swimming and Diving. And Dave, we learned quite a bit from Deirdre, especially her tenacity when it comes to surpassing her own expectations and her own achievements in the pool. We learned a lot about the balance between academics and athletics, something that we've spoken to athletes about in the past. And that includes Megan McEwen on last week's podcast. So a lot of insight into the preparation that goes into her performance in the pool and in the classroom. Yeah, I really liked hearing about her family dynamics and obviously the siblings she has and the and the competitive nature of, you know, of what that holds. And and it's just really nice to see that that kind of, you know, a very quiet kid who has a lot of fire in her because obviously she's looking at some of those records. She's looking at getting better, you know, to 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 put up five minutes and in the 500, you know, that's, that's a pretty bold statement. And, uh, and I know that a kid like Deirdre is going to stick, stick to that and, you know, stick behind it and is, is probably going to meet that mark at some point. So, uh, it, it's, it's great to learn. It's great to, it's great to see that kind of tenacity in our, in our athletes. And I'm looking forward to watching her swim even more now. And it's that mentality that earns you Cuniac rookie of the week twice. And she did not hesitate to say she knew about that. It was on the radar when I asked her about it. And, when it came to a bold declaration, you just mentioned it wants to hit five minutes in the 500 free. Very bold indeed, but something that with that type of preparation and hard work, she can certainly do. Unfortunately, we won't see the Dolphins back in the pool until January 11th. But by that time, who knows how much more work will have gone in behind the scenes in preparation that may have geared her up to achieve that goal of hers. Yeah. And obviously, you know, if for those of you who are listening to the podcast, it's even more of a reason to follow some of our some of our swimmers and our swim teams in general. You you got to find out from Deirdre just how close knit the team itself is and how much they, they cheer each other on and how much work they put in. Uh, they put in together and how seriously they take it while also having a very good time uh, with one another. So uh, that's, that's really encouraging to see. That's uh, something that, uh, you know, makes me really proud. And, and it, 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 again, it gets me even more excited to watch them swim. It's definitely an environment I've seen around the majority of our teams. We've seen it with men's basketball. We've spoken about it with them. Megan McEwen referenced it with women's basketball. Now we see the same with women swimming and diving. And I'm sure that includes the men as well. They practice side by side and work out side by side. So I think that's a blanket statement of hers. She did reference her closeness with the men's team as well. And in many cases, they're chasing her in the pool. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, that's uh, it was great to learn a little bit more about about her. It's been great learning a lot more about our teams. And, Joe, you know, next week we are going to uh, segue into a little bit of a uh, different coverage. We're going to be speaking to uh, Lisa French and Anita Romano from the Macaulay Honors College uh, here at the College of Staten Island. You know, we talk about so many great stories uh, within our walls here at the Sports and Rec Center, but there's so much great activity going on outside uh, of our walls and offices that we interact with. And and Lisa and Anita are doing some phenomenal things with the Macaulay Honors College. Um, by now, it's been very well documented, the 
the high achieving academic honors of not just our athletes, but of all of our students, uh, you know, you and I included Joe as, as alums here. So, um, it's going to be great to talk to, uh, to Lisa and Anita next week as we focus in on academics and, and the Macaulay Honors College. So got a lot of great things planned. Definitely. And it should be very interesting to hear some of those stories, all the work that goes into Macaulay Honors program and organizing that. And we've spoken to some of our students who are part of that program and it'd be good to hear from another perspective what goes on. And that's a story we'll share with you next week when we sit down with Lisa and Anita. Until then, this has been the Dolphin Pod. This is Joe Foreman alongside David Pizzuto, your hosts. Join us next week for the Dolphin Pod. It will premiere at approximately 12 p.m. on Friday, each and every Friday at CSIDolphins.com. You've been listening to The Dolphin Pod. Remember to check us out next week when we bring you a brand new show and check out our archive broadcast throughout the year. If you have questions, comments, would like to be booked on the show, or have an idea for a show guest, be sure to leave us feedback, as well as catch all of our shows right here at csidolphins.com backslash podcasts. From all of us here at the College of Staten Island, thank you for listening to The Dolphin Pod.